0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in quarantine in D.C., and today I'm going to be talking with Daily Banter's Ben Cohen. Looking forward to this conversation. Ben is such a cool guy. He, uh, you know, he runs the Daily Banter. Bob Seska, my boyfriend, writes for the Daily Banter and has for many years. So we're going to have, I'm going to have fun talking to him and I know it. He has a three-year-old, two, I'm sorry, a two-year-old, Moses. So he's in quarantine with a two-year-old, and I know that he's posted on on Facebook that I guess Moses has had some trouble sleeping. So I'm going to check in with him and see how he's doing in quarantine. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, you know, everything's okay. The only thing that I hate about this, and I'm sure I'll talk about it further, but it's just the fact that, you know, I can't see my mom and my dad. I will, I can see them, but I just have to see them at a distance, and it's kind of weird because I can't hug them, and it's just so weird. Um, outside of that, uh, I, I guess I'm just like everybody else. I I don't know how everybody is doing during this time. I have my ups and downs. I have moments where I'm feeling okay. Other moments where I'm completely freaked out and I have nothing but doom, um, forecasted, but you know, Hey, we're all in this and we're going to have to get through it. It's always nice to, to, to talk to somebody who, and I do this occasionally. Sometimes it's Stephanie, (laughs) sometimes it's Bob. Um, who seem to be a little more optimistic than I am because I get, I get dark. But, you know, as I, as I talked about yesterday in my manifesting video for patrons only, when I relax myself and when I put myself into a, um, like force myself into a different headspace, at least it serves as a, as a distraction and it can kind of lift me up, even if it's manufactured. I'll take the manufactured lifting up over feeling like everything is going to hell. But, you know, it's kind of hard not to with Donald Trump at the helm. I mean, there's uh, he's just so awful. And the GOP, or I call them Trump publicans, are so awful. I, I don't I mean, there's so many better adjectives I could use to describe them. But when it, you just boil it down, they're fucking awful. They don't give a shit about us or life or anything. I mean, these people who like to say they're pro-life. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're, they're telling grandma and grandpa to go out and get sick and die for the America, American economy. It's just unbelievable. So I am looking forward to my conversation with Ben Cohen today. He's got an English accent and that shouldn't mean anything, but it's fun. And, you know, as Bob always says that all the women love the the accent. I I can't speak to that, but I do. I'm a woman and I love it. And and Ben's a great guy. I, I got to have lunch with him and meet him for the first time in December. We had a banter lunch and that was fun. I got to meet him and Justin Rosario. And I've known Justin for a long time since my Addicting Info Days. So it's kind of cool to get together. One day we will again. But before I get going with my conversation with Ben Cohen, I have to make sure everybody knows that Start Me Up is an independent podcast. And it's run by a woman. So that's a great reason to support the show. (laughs) You can sign up for any dollar amount if you want to become a patron. So it's like two bucks You get every show delivered to your email box. The only shows that you don't get are the $5. You have to sign up for the $5 tier. And that's going to get you two times a month. I do uh, patrons only shows. Sometimes they are just me alone. Like I did one yesterday. Other times they're going to be with uh, a, a guest, usually Stephanie. And I think what I might do, I'm not sure, maybe you can give me your feedback on this for those of you who have been listening. Um, maybe do like one solo show and then do one show with someone. I think that's probably better than me doing two solo shows every month. That's a bit much because frankly, when I do those shows, um, it's, it, t- it takes a lot for me because I, I don't have anybody to bounce off of. And I, I, I always want to listen to it the whole thing. So it's like yesterday I did this show and I recorded myself for 2 hours. And I started to listen to it and I'm like, "Nope, this is nope. I I, I put in too much unnecessary detail." So I did a whole nother show that was just over an hour. So 3 hours of talking into a microphone yesterday, it was a lot. And then I had to listen to it back to make sure I didn't say stupid shit cuz like the other day um when I I had recorded myself, I don't know, on an intro or something like that, and I said how did I say it? I said something like, replace the positive with a negative when I meant to say replace the negative with the positive. But you know, I was talking fast, and it just came out that way. So I I think I I managed to edit it in. So if you ever hear those funny edits, that's why it's because I said something backwards, or I I, I said something stupid. (laughs) I have to go back over and and re-record myself. So anyway, um, if you signed up for the $5 tier, um, you, you get those two patrons-only shows, but for now, I am keeping those shows for patrons-only. So you can sign up for any dollar amount, and you will get those shows. I'm just like building my base. I'm building my, my patron base, and I need more people at $5 in order to just go straight into recording them for only those patrons. But for now, it's just going to be patrons-only. Everybody gets to hear it. In time, I'm going to make it for the $5 subscribers only. So there's that. And also, if you like the show today, you can go to patreon.com slash start me up, you will see all the tiers um, and what I offer. And eventually, I probably will offer something for $10 a month. But I'm not exactly sure what you know, I mean, Patreon likes you to come up with specific special things you can give patrons. And I just don't know what those things could be. Maybe somebody could make a suggestion. I'm not saying I'm going to take the suggestion, but I'm open to them. So if you have any suggestions. Um, but yeah, patreon.com slash start me up. And then there's always the one-time donation situation. <laughs> the one-time donation situation. You just look at my, uh, the Patreon description of this show, of any show, and you will see my email address. And you just use that for PayPal. And if you want to send me 50 bucks or... 10 bucks or 5 bucks or whatever, if you just are like, hey, I, I support you right now, but I'm not sure in the future I need to listen to a few more of your shows, you can do that. Also, I ask everybody, I'm going to be asking everybody from now on, if you like the show, if you're a subscriber and you're like, wow, I really enjoy the show, please tell your friends, I am trying to build the show. So um, it's great when you post it on social media, but you know, podcasts are a little bit more difficult to sell because not everybody's into them. So if you know somebody, even if they, whether or not they listen to podcasts, but if you know somebody who might, you think, oh, this person might like Kimberly, would you just please tell them and let them know that I want them to be my subscriber? But just listen to a few shows for free and see what you think. And if you like it, then you can support the show. And last, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Um, please, please, please go to it's Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber. That's free. And then if you like the show, please give me a good rating and a good review. Always. I'm always going to beg you for that. So that's just a given. I am on my knees praying, please. (laughs) Alrighty. That's it for my intro. Please enjoy my conversation with Ben Cohen. Welcome Ben Cohen.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Kimberly.
0: I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. I, you know, I've known you for quite some time, basically through Bob, and we through finally Bob, yeah. yeah through Bob and because uh, he used to write for Banter, and or he still, still does. does. Well, he still he does write for Banter. He,
1: he writes for the newsletter.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, and then we met in person this December before COVID.
1: <laughs> yeah, when well, we could actually um, sit round and. and uh around a dinner table and, and uh, enjoy the company of um, other people, not in our immediate family.
0: Yeah, and I know. I was telling Bob, I'm like, oh, we need to do that more often. And then, like, I mean, because Bob and I are pretty much homebodies anyway. So, um, you know, it's it's hard enough for either one of us to get our asses in gear and go do something. But it was <laughs> such a, a fun lunch. And um, and this happened. So, of course. <laughs> of course. I so. what... <laughs>
1: Go ahead. Are you guys feeling pretty? So you guys are feeling pretty comfortable then during, yeah. during the uh, the pandemic? No, no change.
0: Um, not a lot of change. The thing that makes me uncomfortable <laughs> is my mom. because like, my mom lives on her own and she's seventy three, and you oh, know, right. before this all happened, she was gonna get hip surgery, and it's obviously an elective surgery, so she can't do it, and she's in pain. And I, you know, I'm gonna um, be going over there later this week, and. I'm just going to be delivering some things to her. But, you know, it's an opportunity for me to, we'll like sit on her deck, keeping social distancing. But like, I can't hug her. And no. it's, you know, it's, it. I mean, it's like my father has, he's married. So it's easier mm. for him because he has somebody there. And it's like, obviously Bob and I have each other. So for people who are alone through this, I know it's particularly difficult. And because my mom experiences pain, Um, you know, in her hip and it goes down into her knees. In fact, the doctors thought that she needed knee replacement and eventually she probably will, but basically the pain is stemming from her hip. So now, instead of, you know, recovering from hip surgery, she's having to wait an additional year and it's just, and then she has to put herself at risk because the pain is so bad that she can't sleep and all this stuff. So then, you know, she's going to look and see if her chiropractor is open because she gets physical therapy. So of course I worry about that. Mm. So, you know, like on a personal level, I actually kind of don't mind the quarantine outside of grocery shopping but um you know i'm i'm a homebody i'm a i'm a cancer so you know the cancers are crabs and they like to hide in their shells totally that's me and (laughs) and you know that's bob but uh but i think about you because you have how old is moses
1: oh moses is two two just uh (laughs) two two in two months
0: what's it like to be in quarantine with a two-year-old
1: I mean, you know, it's the absolute best and the absolute worst all (laughs) at the same time. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, you've got a constant distraction. You've got something to constantly keep you busy and not thinking about uh, the global pandemic. But then you've also got um, basically an insane person um, (laughs) shouting and screaming at you like all the time. He's having (laughs) sleep difficulties at the moment. Mm. So, like, we're not getting much sleep. And, uh, you know, he's, he's... this is like key developmental years for yeah. him as well, uh, right. months, and he's kind of missing out on that. And we're trying our best to like, you know, l- keep him entertained and not watching too much screen. And what well, we're trying to keep sane and um, you know, it, you know, it's it, it, as I said, you know, it's great and horrific all at the same time.
0: Yeah, I could totally imagine. I mean, it does give you the opportunity to bond with him and spend a certain amount of time with him that maybe you wouldn't have done or had before. But yeah, I mean, with a two year old, I could totally understand what would be the best and, and worst of, of both, you know, both. I mean, you get both of it. So I can I feel for you and especially I feel for him having sleeping issues because that must I mean, it must be hard on you guys. But it's like this poor little boy doesn't understand what's going on.
1: No, he doesn't know what's going on. And we, we, you know, when we go out for walks around the neighbourhood, like he, he sees his friends. In the beginning, it was really, he had a really, he had a really hard time not being allowed to play with his friends. And then we took him to the park yesterday, um, and then one of his other one of his friends was there um, in the distance, and uh, they just didn't even really recognise each other or talk to each other. Um, and that made me even sadder. Like, was yeah. like, you know, that was even worse. Because it, you know he missed them at first, and now he's just sort of used to not being able to play with
2: yeah.
1: with it with his friends. And um, you know, we, we spoke to the the, the other kid's mum, like through the, you know, we did our social distancing; we were about twenty feet away and, yeah. and tried to get them, to, the boys, to talk to each other, but they just, yeah, they. It, that was actually one of the harder moments, I would say. Right. Is, is now seeing him not engaging with other people.
0: Oh yeah, this freaking. Um this pandemic is just un- unreal and obviously uh, it, so much of it could have been avoided, but we have Trump. Mm. And so there's that, but let's get, let's get into the the political stuff. Cause I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you. And obviously now we've got Obama, Bernie and Warren have all endorsed Biden. So mm. I think the next, I, I would assume the next step is for Biden to announce his VP. And I always like to ask everybody on the show, who do you want that to be, or who do you like? A. Who do you want that to be, and B. Who do you think it will be?
1: So I, you know, again, I think we we talked about this when we had uh, when we had that our the Christmas lunch, mm-hmm. the bouncy Christmas lunch. Um, but basically, I'm the flakiest, uh Democrat <laughs> around right now. I'm just literally for anybody who <laughs> who can build a coalition and build and beat Trump. You know, so I was like, I think I was um, I moved from being. Cory Booker to Elizabeth Warren to Biden to Sanders back to Biden and then Elizabeth Warren these are all the Democrats who I've been you know for or,
2: mm-hmm. or yeah. for and that
1: was it was purely based on the polls I'm like I don't who who's up today right. that's the person I'm supporting I really don't <laughs> care and um, obviously I, in a, in a sort of an ideal world um, I think my probably my ideal candidate was elizabeth warren yeah
2: um
1: i just think that she she uh it it, she's sort of like the the bridge between the kind of more progressive left and the center left and Mm -hmm. um much harder to pin down ideologically speaking just Mm -hmm. because she's so sharp and she's so 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 smart yeah um and kind of anti-corruption um that that you know she would have a I, i felt that she couldn't be labeled um you know, as easily as maybe Bernie Sanders, or who mm. I agree with on policy wise more than the other candidates, but hmm. um, so I, I, you know, I would say that on paper, probably Elizabeth Warren, like I thought that maybe Cory Booker or Pete Buttigieg would be good, kind of unifying candidates. I always felt that Biden was a bit too old, but where every time he went up in the polls, I'm like, okay, I like Biden now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm completely like, I have no shame whatsoever about 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 this election none whatsoever yeah. I, I just don't care um so ideally i'd probably like elizabeth warren and mm-hmm. um, pragmatically speaking does she help in the swing states i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know if that's been if, if that helps mm-hmm. i you know would she bring extra energy to the the ticket, probably.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that would be quite an exciting ticket, yeah. Um, but again, you know, like I, I, I take the reality of the election, the election is going to be one of these swing states where you're trying to peel off independent mm-hmm. voters. Um, so you know, it's kind of like you know, when Tim Hillary Clinton picked Tim Kaine, I think it was like the safest, most boring choice yeah. ever. Um, and on paper, it probably looked good, but then it didn't necessarily translate into something, right? Um, you know. It didn't work, so part of me thinks you know let's go for someone exciting, like take Kamala Harris or take um, Elizabeth Warren. I think mm-hmm. they would they would be quite exciting. Um, but I'd also understand if Biden chose um, uh, you know a Midwesterner,
0: yeah, like Klobuchar um, or
1: something. So, like, like so, I'm sorry,
0: like Klobuchar.
1: Yeah, yeah, fine. I mean, it's not someone I'd get excited about. Me I neither. Particularly excited by Klobuchar. Um, You know, I, but hey, look—if they crunch the numbers and say, "Okay, look, if we right. bring Clojure on, we we're definitely going to take you know these these two states." I mean, it gives us a bump of like yeah. you know three, four points or whatever. That's enough. You know, that that could be enough to tip it over the edge. Then I'm I'm all for it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, so personally, I would probably. I'm 50-50 on on Kamala and uh, Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I kind of, I I was like that too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I feel the same way. I mean, obviously, um, Biden has been urged by many black leaders to choose a woman of color. He already pledged that he would choose a woman. He suggested that it could possibly be somebody who was running in 2020, um, which if that's the Mm. case, it would be between those three. I would say Klobuchar, Warren and Harris. Um, and then I can mm. see, you know, I mean, I can, I can, obviously there's benefits to, uh, Harris and benefits. I mean, there's benefits to all of them. Um, I think like mm. you said, Warren would be a strong choice. It would be exciting. I think Kamala would be a strong and exciting choice too. I do think though, yeah. um, I remember when I was watching Biden's speech on the night, of uh, the win in South Carolina and mm. I just knew, I thought, Oh my God, this is Obama. I had like, I mean, there was maybe never a doubt that Obama was kind of helping behind the scenes, but all I had to see was that speech. And it was funny because I don't remember what the phrase was, but Biden used some phrase. And I had said to Bob, um, I'm like, look, Obama is pulling so many strings. He is helping Joe in so many ways. And it's, you know, I said this speech if, if it wasn't written by Obama, it was like approved by Obama. And so there was this one phrase Biden used and, and Bob's like, that's an Obama thing. That's what Obama says. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's not a big secret, but now it's pretty much come out that, yeah, he has been, um, working to help Joe behind the scenes and not surprisingly, he was his vice president. And, you know, I mean, I think now mm. that he's the you know presumptive front runner, which he is the front, or not front runner, uh, nominee, he's the nominee. Um, obviously, we're going to see more of of Obama. And, you know, I mean, I thought to myself that he absolutely needs Obama, because when you look at, at Obama's wins, specifically his first win, but his second win, too, where he was able to reach out and get that youth vote, Obama is paying attention. To, you know, he understands how to get people to the polls, specifically young people. And he understands that Joe Biden is not going to get Young people excited, so I think that's yeah. you know I mean it's hard for me to make a prediction. There's who I want, and then who I think, you know he may choose, um, and 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 I think that he may choose Kamala Harris because he has been you know he got these hefty endorsements from Clyburn and um, Lewis John Lewis and and I can't remember who it was but it was a coalition of very you know. Uh, what's the word like black women leaders and they all want him to pick a woman of color. So he's got to Mm. consider, you know, okay, these people have been, you know, or black people have been voting for me in very large numbers and their leaders are saying, please Joe consider this. So, I mean, you know, and, and when I look at Warren, I, I feel like you do like, okay, well she's, I really like her, her policy. I like, she's so sharp as you said, um, and she might be that bridge over to some of those pr- progressive voters. But, like, who's going to get the young voters? I think that we definitely... I mean, there they, a lot of them did not show up to the primary, but I will say primaries are not general elections. They still don't show up for den- general elections, but in this particular general election, I think we're going to see a huge voter turnout. Um, I think so, yeah. yeah
2: so. I, I,
1: th- I think so. I mean, you know, look, if, if that's what they, you know... Obama did. He, Obama did exceptionally well with youth turnout, and yeah. I think that 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 could you know that could be a game changer. Um, there are some other um, there you know there's some other states that could potentially come into play here, mm-hmm. here you know in the election, like Florida and Arizona, which we yeah. got you know, um, and I think a youth turnout would be a big youth turnout in those states would mm-hmm. be big. Yeah, would be really really helpful, and I think maybe Kamala might be the person for that. Yeah, you know? I mean, and um, I
0: could get excited about her.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think they get on well. You know, from what I understand, that yeah, it? she she was friends with um, was it beau Biden. That she was. Oh friends? right, yeah. She,
0: she was. I think so.
1: Um, yeah. So yeah. So they, you know, they've family ties, and and um, I mean, I would just pay. I just cannot wait to see. I would love to see Kamala debate.
2: Um, oh God, I know. And, yeah,
0: me too. In fact, I did a tweet about it. I said that she would mop the floor with him, and that and that tweet was like the most viral tweet I ever had. It had like eighty three thousand likes on it, or something.
1: Oh my god! So right, what, yeah, well there you go. That shows you what the appetite.
0: Was exactly.
1: She would tear him apart. <laughs> yes. It would. It would be it would wonderful. Be bad. It, would, it would be really bad. Yeah. Yeah, and of uh, course people no, are no, saying.
0: That. Yeah, of course people are saying Pence would not um, debate her, and that has you know we'll see what would happen. But yeah, she would rip him to shreds and it would just be absolutely orgasmic (laughs) to see that happen. I would love it. I mean, I would also love to see Warren because we all saw what Warren did to Bloomberg. And, Mm. you know, she she ripped him a new one. And I mean, even when she went up to Bernie, when the cameras were, you know, she didn't realize the cameras were on. And she's like, did you just did you just call me a liar? on national television. I mean, she, she's not afraid to confront people. And it's like, don't assume that because she has this kind of, like I always call her like the female, um, Mrs. Ro- like she's Mrs. Rogers. Cause she's so, um, kind and sweet and her voice has a more softer tone, but don't mess with her because she will fuck you up.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like...
1: yeah, she will, she will. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I think Mike Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg, we all, we all saw what, 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 uh, Warren was capable of when, um, Bloomberg uh, decided to try and buy the election. Yeah, and um, you know, although listen, I, I've got a confession to make. That, that when I saw how much money Bloomberg was putting into the election, I was like, okay, look, you know, maybe if he becomes nominee, I'll support, I'll support Bloomberg. That's how listen, that's how flaky I am. No, well, I was the lie.
0: same. I mean, I, I would I'll, have supported him of, too. <laughs>
1: Stumbag like Bloomberg, I'll take that. I <laughs> yeah, well,
0: yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I mean, I didn't want it to be Bloomberg, and I thought that that would be an absolute terrible uh, message to send the American voters that Absolutely. we're, we're going to just yeah. take the guy who buys the election. But when it comes down to the Supreme court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when it comes to kids in cages and all, all of this, this was even before yeah. COVID. So it was like, yeah, uh, Bloomberg and, and he was funding the down ticket candidates. So, and he was putting out great ads. So, you know, sure. I mean, I would have had to hold my nose, but I'm grateful yeah. that I didn't have to, because Elizabeth Warren just said, I'm going to stop this right now. And then she did. And, I was just, just like, yeah, wow, it was great. <laughs> it was great,
1: It was great. But you kind of, you know, I mean, I, I think that, that that kind of finalised. Yeah. Because I
2: thought,
1: you know, maybe he's viable. I don't know. I had, I had a lot of Republican friends saying, you know, look, I could vote for Bloomberg yeah. and, you know, um, I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't have any issue with voting for Bloomberg. And if they Democrats won Bloomberg, then I'll, I'd consider voting for him. And I'm like, oh, okay, look, you know, maybe the guy's viable. And then he got on stage with Elizabeth Warren and basically the <laughs> testicles were removed. It within about it was about ten minutes. He, that was it. His campaign was over. It was it was, it was just amazing. It work, was you know? so I, I was glad she did everyone a she did everyone a, a service there. She really did.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if anybody, I mean, she's not going to be the nominee. But if anybody had any question, which they did, like, oh, she's not going to be able to handle Trump. He'll, you know, he'll. Uh, yeah. She would have absolutely been able to handle him and bury him. But uh, we're not going to see that now. Mm-hmm. So that's the way it goes. And we got Biden. And, you know, it's funny because I'm like, I'm back and forth with Biden as far as, you know, I mean, not back and forth. I will vote for him no matter what. I support him no matter what. But it's just, you know, it's it's upsetting to me for a variety of reasons. And I've said this before on my podcast, but it was like, you know, when I, in 2016, I was meant, I was so emotionally attached when I was a Bernie supporter. And when he lost the primary, I cried on a couple of different occasions. And I told myself after that, because it was just so nasty and awful and upsetting. So I thought, all right, I'm never going to get that emotionally involved. And so in this particular election, I didn't. I really was a very big Warren fan. Occasionally, I would be like, well, but maybe Kamala. And I would lean toward Kamala. And then she dropped out. So I was like, all right, I, it's it's Elizabeth. And and so when Elizabeth mm. uh, dropped out, I was disappointed because I, I felt like the numbers that she was getting were not... I mean, she, she really did kind of lose once she started to lose, she, you know, she had that slow rise and then the whole thing with Medicare for all happened and she lost points and she just never regained that momentum and people wrote her off. So yes, there was sexism involved, but it was also like a fear of Medicare for all, a fear of raising taxes. Then they wanted to call her uh, and people wanted to say that she was like flip-flopping or changing her mind. And she wasn't, she was listening to what people said and said, all right, I get it. I get that you're you know you're not clear on what this is, and I get that the whole idea of jumping into Medicare for all immediately is too much for you, so let's do this and She came back with a plan like she does, and it just wasn't good enough, yeah, you know it just wasn't good yeah. enough, and it didn't hold her up so when I saw her uh the amount of delegates that she was getting, I felt embarrassed because I felt like she mm. deserved so much more, and then it was very clear that she had to drop out, and when she did. I was upset but it didn't really yeah. get me until a few days later and I was I became like it was so odd because my mother and I both on the same day at around the same time it was a few days after she dropped out I don't remember what day it was but both of us like at the exact same time got very angry and it and for me it wasn't so much about Elizabeth that was part of it but it was that all of the women, with the exception of Tulsi, who I think is a joke, at least she did invite uh, endorse Biden, but all of the women that were running were capable and were intelligent and would have done a good job. But they were just dismissed. Mm. And, it, and, and that's what upset me, because I felt like, you know, it, ca- it came down to the two older white men, which... Hey, when it when it comes down to like who's the best qualified for the job, if it's going to be an older white man, that's fine. Then fine, it's the older white man. But in this particular case, there were plenty of women to um to look at and people just Choose like them, yeah. w- wrote them off and it was like it made me so angry. But, you know, it's politics, so you got to get over it, you know. You just got to realize and what Elizabeth Warren said to Rachel Maddow was actually I mean, was absolutely spot on in that um okay, it's not going to be this election, but it will either be the next one or the one after that. It will it will happen, and so I look at it. Yeah. You know, that's that's how it's going to be. You know, we're just we're just our country. Unfortunately, is so patriarchal, and we you know there are other countries out there, other nations that are run by women that are doing very well, yet that's not enough mm. for Americans to say, oh well, we can have that here. <laughs> so, I mean, I
1: think you know it. it, uh, it it's uh, I I think. Because we're in the age of Trump right now, that everything is has become so extreme. Yes, um, that that I I feel that, that that you know, hopefully Trump gets booted out of office yeah. and we get a Democrat in for you know. For, for, uh, and I think the landscape will change after that. Yeah,
0: uh,
1: I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna have to change after that, and it will change. Yeah, um, and it, and it, you know things are gonna calm down. And I think that in a slightly calmer situation. You know, maybe Americans have been more willing to be rational about this, Um, you you, you know, because a lot of it's just the stakes are now so high. The stakes are now so high with the Republican Party. The Republican Party is so dangerous um, and they're so extreme. That that you know the, the Democrats are playing. It's like a matter of life or death if, mm-hmm. if, 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 to get a Democrat in. You know, what I mean, it's like having healthcare yeah. or not having healthcare. Yeah. It's like burning the planet to a crisp or, mm-hmm. or working with the international community to you know to curb the effects of climate change. You know, it, it, these are the stark options that we have right. now. You, you know, you don't vote for a Democrat. You, we know what's happening. We know what we're going to get. We're going to get Mitch McConnell. You know, we're going to get. Um, Y- y- you know uh these extremists who yeah. don't believe in climate change don't even believe in women's reproductive rights mm-hmm. still in in the 20 in the 21st century i mean it's it's really kind of it's insane um but those are the states so i think that you know with, with the the women in the democratic uh primary you know it, it was i i felt like it was um it's just a shame that they all came along this year i know it was you know it, it was like yeah you know I, I, I wish it had been they weren't running against Trump, where Democrats just want the I mean, look, the fact that that both you and I were prepared to accept Michael Bloomberg,
2: who's <laughs> <Yes>. a misogynistic
1: <laughs> little, little, little creep, you know, who, who's got a history of a of, bit of, of abusive behaviour towards yeah. women, yeah. is a Republican, voted for George Bush, supported the you know supported the Iraq War. The fact that we are both we were both willing to take him mm-hmm. and support him is is that's a testament to how dangerous the time that we, we we live in. I mean, it's really, really bad, you know, and I just feel it like was such a shame that we had all these, like, fantastic women mm-hmm. running for president, and, and you know, you know basically, we were at a time of, like, maximum safety. Right. And look, Joe Biden, I'm, I don't necessarily, I'm not a huge Joe Biden fan, you know, like, I think he, he's too old, I think he, he's... Um, uh, you know, he's not—he's uh, uh, not the best speaker in the world. I think um, you know he's not ideal, but I, I just don't care. I yeah, don't care. <laughs> exactly. Know, I, I don't, <laughs> well, and I—I'll I, 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 yeah, I, take it. I,
0: I remember, you know, James Clyburn when he endorsed him. He said he's a good man, and I think that that particular calling him a good man. Really did a huge service to the fact of everything you just said that, you know, the negatives of Biden. He's not the best speaker. He's, you know, like 80 years old. um, He's a gaff Mm. machine. But when Clyburn said he's a good man, then basically a he has set up the good versus bad argument. And then also he gave permission now for Biden to not get in the mud. Because good yeah. men are not going to get good men. Good women are not going to get in the mud. They're going to stay above. So Trump's going to be rolling around in the mud. But Biden gets to stay above that. And frankly, um, you know, I, I wrote an article why I didn't think Biden was going to get the nomination. And part of it was the gaffes. And so interestingly, um, and, and with you like saying, I don't care, it's exactly it. I don't care. I don't care. Biden was probably outside of Tulsi was one of my last choices. I really wasn't a big fan of Yang, but um, I liked some of his ideas, but I really don't think somebody like Yang or Marianne Williamson or those people should be president, but in the, in the viable and the realistic realm of um, people who have had experience in government and all that, any one of them, anyone, (laughs) but with COVID, COVID is keeping Joe from, making too many gaffes because now he's not on the campaign trail and he has less of an opportunity to say stupid shit and obviously you know obama is behind the scenes probably feeding him don't say this and you know make this point obama and then of course people who are advising biden which i'm sure have been cleared through obama but um Mm. you know I, I I really think Obama has a huge part to play in this, and I think that he 's going to have a huge part a huge role in in helping Biden get elected. but I think that you know having this situation that we 're in right now um, helps Biden to not be such an obvious gaffe machine you know and then okay, so what i 'm going to bring up, and i honestly i can 't remember if I talked about this on another podcast so I don't remember if this was the first time that I'm bringing it up, but I was going to, I'm bringing up those allegations about sexual assault um, that Joe Biden has been accused of. And it's very uncomfortable for me as a feminist um, for many reasons. Uh, First of all, I'm friendly with Alyssa Milano and Alyssa Milano, you know, she didn't start me too, but she started the movement. She wasn't the one who came up with me too, but she, she, she tweeted out me too, You know, if this happened to you and and then that became a movement. So she's the highest profile and she has said herself, "Okay, well, I can't remember the woman's name who um, who came up with me, too, and had been doing it for some years. But Alyssa has always acknowledged her anyway. um, She had recently come out and said, you know, she feels that this is a um, a smear campaign. And I there there are a few articles. One was written by Amanda Marcotte. Amanda who writes for um, Salon and she kind of broke it down and there's, and then there was one by the Krasenstein brothers who I'm not a big fan of them, but they still made a lot of similar points. And that is that this particular woman who is accusing him of um, basically digitally penetrating her, a, she did not name, I think she, she recently filed a police report report. She did not name the date and the time and the location. And, she yeah, didn't even name named joe she didn't biden, even name,
1: she didn't biden. even name joe biden yeah
0: mm-hmm. and uh, then she
1: i mean I, I i i'm sorry sorry go ahead Can you, well it's
0: just that she mm-hmm. she also okay it was it was that and that um the way that I, I don't know that this was brought up in any of the articles i don't remember but one of the things that struck me was how did this get by obama how did this get by mccain and romney this the, it it seems to me because she said she made a formal complaint that is on record in congress how would it have gotten past no obama and so the other things are that she you know under a different name she had written blog posts praising putin and basically dissing america and saying how america should be more like russia and she was apol she was apologizing for america and it was really weird and then she became this like fierce bernie supporter and I think, and I could be wrong about this, I think she said, but I think back in April of last year, when women were accusing of Biden for inappropriately touching them, um, I think she might've been one of those women. But regardless, whether or not she was, um, why didn't she speak up at that point? Because Me Too had already happened. And, or why didn't she speak up when Joe Biden announced that he was running? Uh, when Kavanaugh announced, when it was clear that Kavanaugh was the pick, Um, Christine Blasey Ford said, Oh, hello, hello. So when when Joe Biden was running, when he announced that he was going to run, she didn't say anything. It was only after it was clear Bernie wasn't going to win. And so as a feminist, I have never said, believe women all the time. I have always said, take women seriously, listen to their story, do not automatically dismiss them but especially when you get into the area of politics you obviously there's going to be dirty tricksters obviously there's going to be people who are going to make up stories and you know for a political advantage and so that also has to be taken into account and what really sucks about this is the majority of women who say that they've been sexually assaulted are not believed they're called liars there. You know, you, mm. you, you consented, but you didn't realize it because you were drunk or whatever it was. Women are not taken seriously and they're called liars. And, it, and, and so it's very upsetting because I don't want to call her a liar just because I want mm. to support women. But when you look at all of the um, everything that's been reported and the vetting, even in New York Times, it doesn't stack up it it doesn't sound legitimate and there's too many holes in the story so if i put it out there on twitter that i i think that she's doing a smear job i'm going to be fucking mutilated specifically by yeah. bernie supporters
1: it it's it's yeah i mean but this is what kind of ticked me off to kind of you, you know as soon as i i heard about it and i and i i heard about the interview um or that she did with um Katie Halper, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I began looking into it. I have a lot of great deal of sympathy for, oh, I, um, for people who've been sexually assaulted. Um, you, you know, so I wrote, I wrote a big piece on this for the, for the newsletter, mm-hmm. the Bansy newsletter um about this specifically because I, you know, I, I started to look into it and, and like, I, I, and i'm talking about i speak of this as someone who was sexually assaulted in boarding school in the u k as wow. a teenager so that that's it's happened to me like yeah. i've been i have been preyed on by um so i you know and i talk about this in 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 the article that i wrote but uh I, it was um more so it, my story changed um you know when i i was sixteen at the time fifteen or sixteen at the time and when it happened to me i basically like I was so embarrassed that I didn't really say I didn't I didn't tell people right. the full extent of it. Um, and then later on, when I was when I was about eight years later, uh, other allegations came forward about this guy, mm-hmm. and um, uh, that were way more serious than than what happened to me. Um, and I, you know, uh, I was asked if I wanted to come and testify in the court case, and I said yes, I would. Hmm. Uh, but I told I decided then to tell the truth. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell the truth now because. Yeah you know and i remember thinking i remember saying to one of the other people who were who who had been assaulted i said look like i'm going to i'm going to testify but i'm just letting you know that my story is going to change because what i said back then mm-hmm. isn't really what happened so i'm going to tell the truth now
2: right
1: and knowing that if i did i was going to get torn to pieces
2: yeah
1: and they did and they and that's what happened in court basically what happened in court was the guy they just they targeted the whole defense kind of targeted me and basically said look this guy's changed his story so he's not reliable and the guy got um, off wow. he, he 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 got off and he was left he could he was able to continue teaching Ugh. kids after that um you know so i've got a huge amount of sympathy for yeah. you know for example I, I you know it's not popular in progressive circles but i believe the women who claimed uh, bill clinton and sexually assaulted them mm-hmm. I, I i believe their stories are legitimate mm-hmm. i i don't i i have serious issues with bill clinton i think that the, a lot of, at least some of those allegations are entirely legitimate mm-hmm. um and i'm not going to say that you know that for sure that bill clinton did it i i i don't know but right. i you know I have no reason to disbelieve those women, so mm-hmm. I approached this this story um, with uh, um, Tara Reid with the same through the same sort of lens. I thought, yeah. like, you know what, I'm going to believe. I want to believe her. You know, I don't yeah. think that someone would just make something like this up. So I want to believe her. Um, so I I started to look into it, and the more you read into it, the more it transpires that this is she's just not. Reliable right at all as a, as, as a witness that she this the timeline makes no absolutely no sense mm-hmm. whatsoever it makes it makes she was praising joe biden right that was the other thing
0: and you know what let me just for say for his
1: work on sexual assault
0: exactly for his work on sexual assault and the thing about this is i recently interviewed somebody who, um, Mm. we had a, we had a conversation. He asked to be on my, on my show. He reached out to me. He's an actor. And he said, Hey, can I be on your show? So I said, sure. Mm. We did the show. And then soon after that, um, somebody contacted me and said, well, actually two people contacted me, but first somebody contacted me who knew a friend that I had, and I can't tell anybody's names here. And said, I think you might want to be careful with this guy because he sexually assaulted our mutual friend. And then our mutual friend messaged me and said, this guy sexually assaulted me. And,
2: mm.
0: I, and then w- I was sent an article about this guy where – I think it was a 2017 article where, I don't know, he had been – he was caught sending um, – really inappropriate messages to an underage girl. I think I think she might have kind of lured him in, but still lured him in. Still, he was being inappropriate, and he was married. And um, I have absolutely no reason to doubt this person who said they were sexually assaulted. And mm. so I would not praise him for any reason, and he did nothing to me. He did this to yeah. somebody that I know. So I would never ever praise him. I, I, you know, I, I deleted the interview. I, I stopped following him on Twitter and, and interestingly he, um, you know, and I wrote about this, uh, on, and I I think I did a, I think I might've done a podcast about this too, just for patrons only. And I wrote for patrons only, but I, now I'm making it public, but, um, you know, I did delete the, the thing. and, And so he had contacted me and he's like, what happened? Um, you know, uh, I don't understand what happened. And I just ignored him. And I just I'm not going to respond to him. I didn't block him, but I ignored him, and he still will um, come to my, you know, comments or he'll retweet me and stuff. And it's really weird because honestly, I think the reason he wanted me to interview him was because he wanted validation from a feminist. And you know, oh look, right. I'm a great guy. I'm I'm interviewed by a feminist, so not that anybody was accusing him of anything. But what was really funny is I also um, Googled him before the interview. So I could find out any information that I could bring up during our conversation. I never saw this article, this legitimate article that was Mm. sent to me by the person. So I believe he had it buried because you can bury, um, it's like, I can't remember what they call it, but it's SEO something or other. And, and you can pay people to bury the bad news. So it's like on page 20, you know, 27 of Google searching instead of the first thing that comes up. So, um, getting back Sorry, I had to take a drink. Getting back to Biden, this this woman who is saying that he, you know, assaulted her physically, sexually assaulted her, she's going to be praising him? That makes no sense to me. It just doesn't and, and you know, I know there are certain circumstances where people do things that they wouldn't normally do for one reason or another. But when it comes to something as personal and as awful as that, if I wouldn't praise somebody that assaulted my friend, I can't imagine praising someone who assaulted me i just can't imagine that
1: right right and i and i think you know it 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 it, it strikes me that there's probably you know maybe maybe he behaved you know in a but biden is you know he has yeah video footage of him being slightly creepy with with women and i and i think maybe you know is it sexual I, i I don't well, know. Well, I think I what it is maybe, is it's, it's an abuse of
0: power. I think it's that, inappropriate. It's, yeah, it's inappropriate and it's abusive power because it's like, you yeah. know, I mean, I know that as a, I'm not really a touchy-feely person in general. Um, mm. So I don't want people in my workplace touching me and if my and not sexually touching me, but just, you know, putting their hand on my shoulders or rubbing my arm. It's like, don't touch. That's just how I feel personally. Yeah. Those are my boundaries. And so when a man in power... Does that to another human, whether it's a woman or a man, doesn't really matter. It is a kind of a. It's Not a show. Britain. Yeah, it's like a show of like I'm in control. In fact, interestingly, and this is kind of different, but um, I used to date this guy, and I mean, I was like over the moon for him. And mm. there was this one particular time we were like lying in bed and we were kissing, and he got on top of me, and he pinned me down, and he had this look on his face like. I could hurt you if I wanted to. And it came out of nowhere. And the guy was 6'6 six, six and muscular. So, mm. I mean, he could have hurt me, and I knew that without him making that point. But in that moment, um, it was very clear to me that he was sending me a message. And it was, you know, if I would have said something to him like, why did you do that? He could have, he could have easily just written it off like, oh, you're just, you know, you're imagining it. I didn't do that. But he did it. And I know he did it, and he knows mm. he did it. And so it's like, I feel like with, with Biden, it's these little subliminal things where when you touch someone like that, you know, Biden likes to write it off as he's just being extra friendly. Okay, but when you're going, when you're sniffing someone's hair and you're putting hand on their shoulders, is that a sexual assault? No, none of these women said they were sexually assaulted. But it was inappropriate. Right. And it is a power yeah. play. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. And
1: it, it, it's just generally creepy. And I think that, it's definitely, you know, that's what I took from all of the allegations made against Biden. You look at it and think, okay, this guy's not a social predator. He's just, he, he's he's a dinosaur, you know, right, and, exactly. and uh, <laughs> he, he needs to understand what social boundaries are. You know, he needs to understand boundaries. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that, you know, Biden has admitted that himself. You know, he said that himself. He said, you know, I, I accept that. I accept that. Yeah, but Rudy then he made a joke about it. I'm going to change with it. He made
0: a joke about it like the following day. But you know what? I mean, I look at some, it's like you said, he's, he's an older guy. He comes from a different time when different things were accepted. It doesn't mean that they were okay, but it was accepted, Mm. universally accepted behavior. And so you can't go back and rewrite history. All you can do is move forward and say, oh, okay, moving forward, don't do this. And, you know, I mean, Mm. I I remember, geez, when this came out last year, we were talking about it so much and I got so sick and tired of talking about it. But, you know, and there was always, there was it was funny because there were boomers that I was was talking to that were saying, oh my God, this is just ridiculous because they were for Biden. They didn't want to hear about it. But it was like the best argument is, you know, especially men who are defending this. Um, if there is a man who is not gay, he's a straight heterosexual cis man, and another man were to come up, who was his, you know, authority figure in any way, to come up behind him and do exactly what Joe Biden did, would that man like it? No, because it, it, it's getting in your space, and it's not about rape. Right. It's about stop doing inappropriate things at in a, in an in a, like. I think in any situation, even if you're at someone's home. Um, that would be weird to mm. do something like that. But when you're at a work situation, that's too personal. not
1: appropriate. Yeah, it's just not too personal. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. And, and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Biden's acknowledged it. And, and
0: yeah, said, me too. I'm know,
1: and, and it. <laughs> But, but but you know look again when it comes to the the more serious allegations you know mm-hmm. the, the the Torah reed allegations I yeah. mean those, those are that's a completely different what she's talking about yeah. is, is is you know that's sexual assault yes. and i think that you know when you have when you have allegations like that you've got to you know you have to examine them i do think you've got to you always got to examine these things case by case yeah you know, and see and 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 take the, each case on, on on its merits. And uh, as you say, you know, take just take women seriously, take people who are claiming they've been assaulted seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think the Tori deserves that; she deserves to yes. be listened to, she deserves to be taken seriously, but she also deserves to be vetted if yes. you're going to make an allegation like that, particularly when you've changed the story multiple times. And then also, and, you know, there, there was
0: well, I was just going to say so, a couple of people didn't remember. Um, you know she said "I told so and so and like three of them didn't remember or something
1: the one with i mean what what also troubles me is is her uh, you know her her brother right so her brother um her brother changed her story as well hmm. uh, it changed his story too so the brother was one of the um witnesses right so she said she told her brother at the time about what happened mm-hmm. um so, you know, and this was in the New York Times piece. Um, I think it's um, Michelle Goldberg wrote mm-hmm. a piece about this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and she said that, um, um, said, uh, I think it was, the, yeah, here we go. according to the Washington Post, I, 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 I've i got the actual piece in front of me, here we go. So according to the Washington Post, in a recent interview, uh, to, uh, the brother, he uh, told a reporter that Reid told him at the time that Biden had behaved inappropriately by touching her neck and shoulders. mm mm-hmm. A few days later, he texted the reporter to say he now recalled Reid telling him that Biden, Biden had put his hands under her clothes.
0: Yeah, totally different.
1: That, that's a, that's that's two. That, those are two different things. Yeah, you putting your hands on someone's neck and shoulders is not sexual assault.
2: Right.
1: Putting your hands under someone's skirt is sexual assault. Yes right and and so if he's changing his story she's changed her story and she was praising biden two years before and all the stuff with russia is just so strange that yeah. that it, you kind of just think like okay you can't you can't take her seriously you know no. it's like um it, it's kind of like if donald trump claimed he was assaulted right you you would maybe it happened but you how would you ever take anything donald trump says seriously yeah. you could never him seriously because he lies all the time right there's a track record of lying so then so that's the problem when you when you change your story and you and you you have a very sort of troubling um history that it's harder to take people like that yeah seriously
0: yeah, like uh, to say yeah.
1: that she's lying. I, I, I don't know, you know. I, I don't know, but I think that, it, it, that something does, it seems very, very
0: off. Exactly. It? It's like I hate to call her a liar. I hate to even doubt her. But like you said, um, she has the right to tell her story. She sh- it should be investigated. It should be vetted. And if there are holes yeah. in the story, then it's not like we should just pretend that there aren't because I'm a feminist or you're somebody who is a Democrat. Whatever the reason is, it's like it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable truth. And let's face it, in politics, there's going to be dirty tricks and you know it it just you know maybe there was another thing in the interview because I listened to the interview with Katie Halper and one of the things that really Mm. struck me was she had said she explained what happened and while you know I guess she said he digitally penetrated her and then she said and then he said something to me that I'm not going to say and continued on with her story and just as she finished telling her story the interviewer Katie said so are you going to tell us what he wasn't going to say And it was weird how she asked, and and so Tara said, like you know, I don't know. The the question was repeated. Are you gonna Are you gonna say what you Mm. didn't want to say? And Tara's like, well, yeah, I'll say it. So it was it was like, she said she didn't want to say, and basically what she didn't want to say is that I guess Biden after he did this to her, and she I guess kind of got away from him. pointed at her and said, you mean nothing or, or something along those lines. You mean nothing to me or you mean nothing. And and she said that that was what hurt her the worst because she knew that if she tried to tell anybody that you know, she could just be buried or ignored or dismissed. And it was just odd to me that it was like she odd. said she didn't feel comfortable doing it. But at the first question, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Like she made this big deal right. out of. And, I'm not going to tell you, but okay, I'll tell you.
1: But but and also, like I I think that the, of all the things that happened or that she claimed happened, that's the least serious thing. Right. You, you, you know, like I think being being basically, you know, sexually assaulted is, is the is, worst. Uh, that that's the worst thing. If you know, by telling her afterwards, you, you mean nothing. Of course, obviously, like that that's a horrible thing to say. That's terrible. But that's not the worst thing. And I don't know why you would. Why she would, I don't you know. Look, she's been tweeting about it constantly as yeah. well, um, in, incessantly. Um, yeah. and, and it's you know, look, I hate to say it, just it, my gut feeling on it is, is is it's a cry for attention,
2: yeah.
1: You know, I that that's if I'm if I'm going to be completely honest, that's what I see from from her and well, what, her, behavior, yeah. her, her behavior on Twitter, like and and her kind of she's constantly changing stories and the whole weird episode with Russia, um, that that's just downright bizarre.
0: Yeah, I mean, she said that people have been calling her a Russian agent. I, I haven't called her a Russian agent. I just, I don't understand... The praise for Russia, and then she becomes like a diehard Bernie Bernie Sanders supporter, and then these allegations come out when he has no path, and it's just all very questionable. And it's like you said, there are the New York Times could not find any credible allegations, and you know, Amanda Marcotte, who went through this, also was unable to find it. And so it's like, you know, I mean, it sucks. It really sucks because I don't want to yeah. dismount. I mean, look what happened with Al Franken. Um he, you know, he asked for an investigation which I believe he should have had, but he was asked to step down and he stepped down. Um I mm-hmm. don't I don't know what the story was there. I I believe all those women need to be taken seriously. That first allegation uh is somewhat questionable because they mm-hmm. were in a comedy, you know, on a comedy thing playing for the troops and I know th- comedians can get raunchy, but there were more allegations that came out than the, just, just this one woman. I think there were seven total and two of them happened after he was in Congress. So it's like, all right, you know what? I loved Al Franken and I really, really wanted this to not be true, but, and, and I don't mm. know. I don't know because he never got an investigation. Um, mm. so I don't under, you know, I mean, I don't believe anybody ever accused him of rape, but he was also inappropriate. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I look how quickly we shot him down. And, you know, there's there's two sides from the Democratic side. There are people who say, fuck Al Franken, he did something bad, and we should never trust him again. And then there's the other side that says, um, you know, we, we move too fast. The way I, I'm kind of in the middle, I feel like every, like I said, everybody needs to be taken seriously. We should never dismiss anybody who said, whether they're male or female, if they said that they were, you know, uh, abused or harassed or whatever it is. But I think that especially when it comes to politics, we have to be very careful. And, you know, I say that understanding that the same thing can happen on the right. But, you know, when you look at people like Rory Moore, when you look at Donald Trump, who have been accused of rape, especially with Donald Trump, he was accused of rape by his ex-wife. And she had to remove that testimony because I'm sure he forced her to. Um, but she said Mm. that he raped her. And there are plenty of, I mean, and it's like just knowing who Trump is and understanding what kind of man he is. Is it so far to, you know, like, is it, too difficult to imagine that he would do this no i think he's absolutely capable of doing it um he doesn't give a shit about people of dying of covid so i mean he just he doesn't seem to care about human beings he just he he feels that they're there for him to use and throw away so you know i as far as al franken is concerned i feel that the whole thing was unfortunate he didn't get an opportunity to defend himself in any real way and then you know the women who Mm. came out and spoke out against him they didn't get to really talk about what happened everything was just kind of immediately dismissed and over with so you know and yeah yeah go ahead no i i i
1: i I think that you know there's definitely um in during the kind of in the wake of the me too movement i think that it was so it's such a powerful movement and it was so dramatic all the kind of stories of abuse and things that were coming that was coming out that there was you know i think there was perhaps Somewhat of an overreach afterwards, mm-hmm. where, where there were a lot of people who were who were being accused of things, um, and they're not, it, you know, they were just presumed guilty at the time. And I think that you know, given what was happening at the time, I think it was kind of understandable. You know, I think it was kind of understandable because there just been so much suffering in silence, so many women, and uh, particularly women who suffered, um, yeah. you know, at, at, at the hands of men. That now is the time for for them to kind of speak out and uh, and not be ashamed and not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, and I think that now we are in a slightly more. I think maybe we're in a better place right now. Um, obviously because of it, but it, we've also come to a place where we can say, okay, look, let's yes, take women seriously, or, or take anyone seriously mm-hmm. who claims they've been sexually assaulted. But let's 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 also, um, you know look at the accuser as well and let's take each on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, And I think, you know, had these allegations happened to Al Franken now, I think the, the response would have been a little bit more right. even handed
0: Yeah. And you, it you, should you, be. I mean... You know, I think... Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, so, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, so, so, like, for example, I think the way that Tara Reed has been treated, um, if you look at the kind of hardcore Bernie left, they're claiming it's a conspiracy theory and, and... But it's not. And, that you know, there's lots of ranting and raving about the New York Times um, you know, timing the timing mm-hmm. their investigation, uh until Bernie had dropped out. It's all you know, a lot of it's about, you know, it's conspir- it's an anti Bernie conspiracy yeah. and um Joe Biden gu- Joe Biden is clearly guilty and you we need to listen to need you know we just need to believe everything Tyler Reed says. Um I I think that actually the press has been remarkably fair. They've been remarkably um even handed with this. Mm-hmm. I thought that Amanda Marcotte's article in Salon was perfect. I mean mm-hmm. it was just absolutely you know, a very, very even-handed mm-hmm. um, uh, take on what was happening. And it, it, if you read it, it's, you know, I took it from, from what I gleaned from that piece that she she thinks that there's some serious problems with the, with yeah. with Tar-reed. I think she thinks that Ty is not a credible witness. And I think that that's why a lot of these other um, uh, outlets uh, just they they looked at it and thought, okay, yeah, no, this is this Tar-reed is not credible. You know, yeah. like I, I took one look at. I took a look at the. You know, the, within half an hour of doing some investigation into who, who she was, immediately I thought, okay, you know what? This, this, this is. She's not. You know, she's crazy. Like, well, yeah, she, and you, it, you look at her. I, I'm I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. I was just going to say that it's possible to weaponize me too. You know what I mean? It's like it's. Yeah. Of course, that's going to come up, especially in the political realm. It can come up. You know, in mm-hmm. any kind of business setting or whatever, if you, you know, it doesn't have to be business, but I'm just, you know, using an example, it can come up in real life. But, and of course, there are women who make false ac- accusations against men, but the number of women who do that are so much lower in comparison to the number of women who get assaulted and either say nothing or are not believed. So, um, you know, it's not really a fair comparison to point to a couple of different people who lie and say that's how it regularly is. Um, and that's what right. makes it so difficult when a woman comes along, specifically a woman, although, you know, the thing is, is mm. so many men are sexually assaulted, and it's like you said, there there's mm. an embarrassment and they won't say anything about it. And, um, but especially when you're talking about politics, um, you have to keep an open mind to the possibility that it's a smear job. I mean, this, I don't know what her deal is. I don't know if um, there was some, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it is. All I know is that when you look at the details of the story, I'm not going to try to figure out her psychology. I'm just going to say the details of the story are don't add up and and it it okay, pains me yeah, it pains me because it makes it seem like the next time this happens to somebody who whose story does add up, um it's going to be treated like this one, maybe oh she's a liar mm. um and it's 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 a really yeah. fine line, and it's it's you know I mean as a feminist who is constantly looking at the patriarchy and and recognizing oh look it's there and look it's like I didn't when I was a younger girl I or woman I was not I mean I was always aware of sexism and I I totally understood misogyny but I wasn't talking about it all the time I wasn't thinking about it all the time and I certainly put up with a lot of it that I wasn't even realizing was happening so it's like now as somebody who I talk about it and I'm a feminist and all of this, it's like, boy, I see it everywhere. It's like everywhere. And to overcome some of these hurdles, it's just, it seems so monumental. So this like Me Too thing was like a huge, huge overcoming of a hurdle. And now it's it's being, of course, it seems like it's being weaponized in this particular case. And it's it sucks because... Um, you know, it, it, does. it makes it so difficult. If you have doubts, then automatically you don't believe women and you're not a feminist. And um, the horrible things that they're saying to Alyssa Milano, I mean, she can take it, but, um, mm. you know, she, she she understands what she's doing and she has been treated like shit by so many for so long. And, and, I mean, I'm just talking about people who criticize her for the way she chooses to be an advocate, which I think is... Um, <laughs> ridiculous. And especially because, I mean, I get it. Like she's not perfect. She doesn't do everything perfectly. But what I witnessed Mm. from Alyssa is, um, I, I, and I've told this story on the show, but I'll be really brief about it. But I had, I was in this, direct message group on Twitter with a bunch of people with this guy named Renato Mariotti who was running for attorney general in Illinois and so long story short I I I knew that they were trying to pass the ERA there and I asked him if he was interested in it and Alyssa which I had hoped Alyssa because Alyssa was in that group and I had hoped that she saw what I said but because I knew she was for women's rights and I asked him about the ERA and she says what is this she hadn't heard about it. Like I hadn't Mm. heard about it in 2012 and I explained what it was and she said, this will be my new mission. And I I was so excited. So I said, all right, well I'm going to email you outside of this group, you know, some information. And I did, I like found everything I could find on the ERA. I've been an advocate for since 2012. So, I mean, I filled up an email with so much information and she dove in head first. I mean, so much dedication and work. And I know that she gets criticized by even some feminists because of of the language that she chooses to use or whatever it is. And it's like my experience with Alyssa, as I have seen her walk the walk, Uh, I have seen her literally every election since I've known her. She's driving people to the polls. So she really, Mm. really, you know, I mean, she's not a perfect person. And she's and she has admitted that she's lived in a like a Hollywood wealth bubble. You know, there was one tweet where she yeah. said, "Like, I didn't. I have been so protected, and I do live in a bubble." So she acknowledges that, mm-hmm. but she still fights for what she believes, and she fights for people who have a harder time fighting for themselves. So she may make some mistakes or say some things that aren't politically correct along the way, but she gets more shit than I think she deserves. And um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like when she came out and 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 told her, you know, said her piece on this um, particular situation you know she, she she's been attacked yeah yeah i mean she's, she's the most horrible things and it's like i can't deal like i feel uncomfortable talking about that on twitter because i'm just i'm just it's going to be endless harassment i'm going to be called a rape apologist not the and, forum. yeah it's, it's just i can't do it
1: forum, it's not the forum for nuance i mean this is yeah, a really, exactly really nuanced case you know yeah. you, you know the Tara Reed story it, you know it requires a lot of um uh, you know kind of in depth analysis and a lot of kind of newest discussions yeah. kind of tease out what yeah. exactly what's going on here and even then you know i don't i can't claim I know what happened I exactly. have no idea i can just right. go and look look at the evidence yeah, but i feel like tw- you know tw- twitter is definitely not the no. that. and also um <laughs> y- y- you know i think that the definitely the left loves to devour itself yes like the we left do. in we in, absolutely in attacking do. in attacking its own um you know so so I, I feel you know i think these things are better done uh in 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 long form and, and, and in a discussion and without yes. like you know accusing everybody accusing people of being sellouts or accusing people of being rape and ableism exactly whatnot. i think you know it's it's like the whole thing with brett kavanaugh i i i, I mean i personally thought that um dr blazey ford was a credible witness i didn't yeah. think there was anything i i didn't see any reason or anything in her history that would lead me to believe she was making anything up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to do with Brett Kavanaugh being conservative. I just thought, okay, look, this is this seems like a credible story. Yeah, it, you know, I thought, that, you know, and I said the same thing about Bill Clinton. I mean, I'm right. on record as saying that I think the women who worked for against Bill Clinton are credible witnesses.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, yeah, I don't, you, you know, I don't not, know uh, enough.
1: Even that that cost me, that cost me a, lo- a lot to, to come out and say right. that. You know, I got, I got took a lot of heat for that. But if what I see, I will say what I see.
0: Right. Well, and that's the best we can do. And it's true. It's like you, you can't just go to an extreme and call somebody a rape apologist because they have doubts or because they see if, you know, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. That doesn't mean you're a rape apologist. It's just that you want to get to the truth. And um, Right. But anyway, I mean. I, I spent we spent a lot of time talking about this, which I wasn't necessarily I, I didn't really even realize this was not on the list of things to bring up. But I figured I'd bring it up because Difficult you and topic. I you and Difficult I had it
1: worth talking about.
0: Yeah. And it's worth talking about. And you and I had a private discussion about it. In fact, a lot of people have emailed me privately and they've said, you know, what do you think? Because I'm not really talking about it on social media too much. I might retweet something here or there, but I'm not putting out my own. Um, added just for the reasons that I explained, but just to quickly go, on, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about. Do you have time for one more little discussion? Yeah. Point, which won't go on as long as this Three. one. I'm just curious. Um, I posted something on Twitter. I said we're living in it now, but what should we, what should or will we learn from COVID? And I just want to preface that with, um, you know, we've seen the obvious air quality improvement, um, and there was an article that came out very recently that said something like, you know, get ready for the gaslighting. And so the gist of it was, you know, as we move back into getting to our old routines and going to work, get ready for the onslaught of, you know, the sale of getting back to normal, which is going to mean continuing to muck up the environment. And, you know, I mean, I look at this as an opportunity, even though it's all awful right now, but because we stopped, Mm. everything stopped, you know, there, there are pictures of Los Angeles that it's like, you see, yeah, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I lived in Los Angeles for so many years and even though it had improved since the seventies, if you were going to stand, let's say in Griffith park, and you were going to look out over the, over Los Angeles during the day, you're always going to see that brown cloud, the smog, even if it's a little bit, not a whole lot, a little bit. And in, in these photos that we're seeing, there's nothing. It's glistening. It's just like miraculous looking. It's 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 almost right. biblical. And so um, once we get back into our cars, uh, we're going to start, you know, and flying and all that stuff, we're going to start polluting the environment again. And I think that COVID gives us an opportunity now to re – like go over what we can do to diminish that. Like we could work from home or there's, there's, there's a lot of people who could work from home and don't have to commute. There are, um, there are different things that we could do with the environment, you know, really getting into solar and wind and alternatives and getting off of oil, even domestic oil. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, very scared and this is all upsetting but there's always something good that can come out of something horrible and i i mean i think covid offers that but i'm just wondering what do you think we should or we will learn from it
1: um yeah i've thought a lot about this i think a lot of what you say is definitely very true um i've I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about it because i think that one of the things that we don't really know um how impactful this is going to be i think because we're in the middle of it Mm-hmm. um it, it's quite yeah. difficult to see how this is going to affect uh things going forward, and my guess is that this is going to have long term effects that we can't quite see right now
2: yeah
1: um, and I think that that what w- one of the the major effects that i see and it might not be we might not see it in the short term, but what I do think the long term effect is going to be a newfound respect for the natural world. And yeah. I think that because we're now kind of witnessing the power of the natural world mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that we've kind of disregarded and abused, uh, nature for so long. Yeah. The natural earth for so long that we've forgotten what it's capable of doing mm-hmm. and how powerful it can be. And we've kind of experiencing that. We're like, okay, this, this tiny virus, this, this, this little virus can essentially just put a stop to all human activity mm-hmm in the blink of an eye it can't be negotiated with we can't reason with it we can't you know all we can do is is try to navigate it yeah um and and i and i see that as being quite a sort of like a powerful lesson almost that will have very very long lasting um effects on on Hmm. maybe not you know maybe the i think the younger generation the younger generation aren't gonna forget
0: this right exactly i mean this is gonna be i mean for us it's you know i'm a i'm a gen xer and obviously it's going to be i think it's going to be triggering for me for the rest of my life because even though i'm you know i'm a homebody and as i age um especially mm. moving to the east coast it's funny because before i got involved in all what I'm doing now online. I used to be an outside sales rep which spent I which meant I spent a lot of time driving and in my car. And so I was in Los Angeles and I was just, you know, covering the entire LA basin. And my father who lives in DC area would always tell me that the the worst drivers are here and I'm like, "Yeah, whatever. I live in California and you don't know what you're talking about." Okay, so I moved here and he's totally right. These are the worst fucking drivers I've ever seen in my life and I have anxiety about driving here for a number of reasons. Number one, because they like, they ride your ass, they're rude, but I'm not used to like, I'm not familiar with the highway system here. Like I was in Los Angeles. So the unknown is a little frightening to me. And there's also like highway off ramps to your left, where in California, every time you exit a a freeway, you exit to your right. And so, you know, sometimes when you're using your navigation, it doesn't tell you, which side of the highway that you're going to exit. And I get very rattled. And so like, yeah. for me, it's already, you know, I'm, I'm already somebody who works from home all the time and I've been doing it for a decade and I work mm. from home. I don't go out a lot. I mean, obviously I do socialize to a degree, but I'm not like this big social person. So I think what this, with the going to do is aside from um, making me want to retreat more in my home, Because I feel safe Mm. here. It's also going to be weird for me to be in um, places with lots of people. Not that I'm going to stress out completely, but I think it's I've always had an issue with large crowds, like, for instance, a concert crowd, because I know that all you need is like one spark to make the crowd turn and freak out and people trample each other. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, and then there's obviously places like I'm not, I don't have issues when I'm at like the Smithsonian or like, for instance, the sexy liberal comedy tour, when Bob and I go to that with Stephanie Miller, you know, there's all these people. I don't get freaked out or anything like that, but it's like large crowds of people make me feel a little bit claustrophobic. So I think that that's kind of one of the things that I'm going to get, but it's like, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like for somebody in their twenties who's going through this Oh yeah. how this will affect them because it will affect them significantly for the rest of their lives
1: oh yeah absolutely you know and and i I think it's going to be a mixture of positive and negative yeah things you know i think that that you know maybe psychologically it's extremely difficult but through through these difficult situations i think that you know some some really kind of amazing things can happen i mean um just just the idea now that, that I mean, you know, environmentalism has become mainstream in America now, uh, and that uh, you know, despite the current government, um, it's it's such a, it's kind of the most important issue on on you know when you look at the generation uh, for younger Americans, it's the most important thing. Yeah, um, is, is the environment. It, it, it's really, really, really important, and we kind of instinctive. We we know that this is a we we reaping what we what we've sown you know we've basically abused the environment and now it's kind of coming back and hitting us with a vengeance yeah uh, and this is kind of like a precursor to what's about to happen with climate change i mean if you right. think this is bad climate change is going to no, be either. it's going to be a hell of a lot worse yeah um and i think and i think that this is it's like a wake up call almost you know mm-hmm. it's a wake up call is like okay look we can do first of all you know the natural world is here we can't abuse it it's going to mm-hmm. hit up, hit back if we if we keep abusing it and B, we are capable of working together to solve these problems. Yeah. Right? Like humans are capable of cooperating on massive scales um, mm-hmm. and, and dramatically making dramatic changes to deal with changing environments, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to have to do. We're gonna, yeah. we, we absolutely have to do it. And I think this is kind of showing that we can do it. We can right. take coordinated mass action. Um, and this is almost, I'm hoping, it's kind of like a prep for, right. for climate change. You know, once, we, yeah. once we're over this, we're going to start taking the scientists seriously. We're going to start taking the experts seriously, and listening to what they're saying. You know, funding them, paying them properly, paying healthcare um, workers properly, and uh, you know, making sure that, that that you know environmentalism is a part is a very very strong part of, of the education system, so that we can kind of we can genuinely work towards building a sustainable future for, for the rest of us. And, 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 you know, this, this is, to me, it's the wake up call, uh, right. whether it, whether we wake up immediately, I don't know, but, but, you know, um, I see this having very, very long term impacts and, and I'm hoping that, that the net, it will be a net benefit. It'll be it's a net positive.
0: Well, I sure hope so. Um, you know, it's definitely, we have a huge part of the country that likes to live with their heads in the sand and, just refuses Mm. to even acknowledge that there is that, you know, there's any benefit to science at all. In fact, they, a lot of them just poo poo it. So, um, but I do, you know, I think those are, those people are in the minority. And then I think that, you know, like you were saying, um, especially like with this election, you know, uh, a couple of Mm. election experts have predicted that this is going to be a, a a blue flood. One of them right after 2018. And, I think, I can't remember when the other one, there was like three of them that I can, Rachel Bittercoffer is one. Michael McDonald is the one who right after 2018 said, it's going to be a blue flood. He predicted 67% turnout. That was before COVID. That was before a number of things have happened. So I think that, you know, we're going to see when basically the long and short is when you're uncomfortable, you're motivated and move to action. When you're comfortable, you, you just look the other way. And so- It's not that we were all terrible people before when we were polluting the environment. This was just the system we had set up for ourselves. And then, unfortunately, sometimes money gets in the way. Um, It's just easier politically to do this uh, to appease the people who don't believe in science or whatever it is. But now we're we're being it's like scared straight. You know, it's like oh oh, this is what happens or this is what could happen. And so um, I think that, you know, the fear that we're experiencing is, is eventually going to turn into anger and both fear mm. and anger are great motivators. I wish that you people were motivated by, you know, the excitement of of um, taking care of something before it happens, you know, preventative measures. I wish those were exciting, but those are usually not exciting. It's usually, right. it's, you know, you have to... You have to touch the flame to know that it's hot. And, you right. know, I always use that scenario with kids. It's like uh, you can tell a kid all day long, don't touch that. It's hot. And the kid's eventually going to touch it because they're curious. And then they go, oh, now I understand. So you have to, like, it, yeah, it understand is
2: yeah. it. Yeah,
1: exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's like, the, you know, the environment, we, we, if we don't regulate ourselves, the, the earth will regulate us. Yeah.
0: Thursday's just right. going to say, "Fuck you, know, it people. Would, it, We're going to do
2: it for yeah. you." Yeah, <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. We, 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 it, this, this is, you know, that's the, it's kind of a rule, a rule of all ecosystems. The ecosystems yeah. kind of exist in this sort of equilibrium, and if there's one species in the in in the ecosystem that's that, that's uh, um, wrecking the place, then at some point they just destroy the ecosystem, and and it, they des- they destroy their own life support system, yeah. and they get wiped out. So we're kind of, we're pushing up against the edge of, 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 of uh, our own ecosystem and uh, the ecosystem is, is basically collapsing all around us and the pe- people we get hurt by, the people who get hurt is, is us, you know, right. we're, we're ultimately going to feel the consequences of our own actions and, and that's happening, you know, it, it's happening and it's, happen- it's quite dramatic how fast it's happening. Um, and, you know, and it's a very, I think it's quite a painful lesson for everyone. Yeah. But, like, as you say, you know, it's like you, you know, touch the flame and you get burnt,
2: right? That's and what
1: then you do. go,
0: Oh, okay, I'm not going to touch the flame anymore. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly.
0: Well, we'll see what happens. I, I hope that, uh, I hope that it's. You know, I mean, I don't want to go out sooner than later. I, you know, they're talking about reopening and, and all that. And obviously, um, you you got the double, double-edged sword going on with the economy versus mm. life. So um, I'm going to choose to save lives over opening up the economy. But, um, I, I, you know, I, I think we have a better solution, but we're not doing it. And the solution would be testing everyone. I saw somebody on Rachel Maddow talking about, it was, it was Chris or Rachel Maddow, and they were saying, basically, the way to do this is just test everybody, several million per day, and then you find the people who are sick, and you isolate them, and then you find the people who are around the people who are sick, isolate them for a certain period of time, test them again, and if they come up clear, then send them out and everybody gets to work. But we're not doing that. So, um, yeah. unfortunately... Because Donald Trump is
1: president and he's an idiot.
0: Yes, and, and he's dangerous. <laughs> and I, he talks to Vladimir yeah. Putin, and we don't know what they say. He talked to him two times last week. Right. So, um, you know, and, and of course, Putin wants... To kneecap our democracy, and he's doing a very good job of that. So, you know, I mean, right now, I think the most important thing is trying to stay alive. And so, I hope that while we're going through this quarantine, and you've got a two-year-old, I hope it's okay. For I mean, I think of Moses, and I, you know, obviously he has two very loving parents, but he's he's uh, it's upsetting because, like you said, he's not even recognizing friends anymore. So, I hope you guys are able Mm. to get through it and. You know, figure out ways through this. Anybody who has a kid, that's got to be really difficult to be going, especially a younger child. That's so hard. But I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I definitely want to have you back. No, thank you. It was it was fun to talk thank to you. So you. Mu- and I, no,
1: I, really did, thank you so much. Kimberly. No, thank you so much, No, I really really enjoyed that.
0: Um, so why don't you tell everybody where to find you or the banter or whatever it is, uh, whatever where, wherever you want to be found. And then also I will be including <laughs> links into the Patreon description of this page. So where can people find you?
1: So very simple. Um, I can't be found on Twitter. I don't really do much on Facebook um, other than personal stuff. But where you can find me is on our newsletter, the banter newsletter. So that's if you go to the Substack. Dot com so that's the banter uh, that's the newsletter that we run it's a daily newsletter uh, Bob writes for it um I, I'm do stuff every day um, that's where you can find me and, and uh, yeah anybody who, who uh, you just pop your email address in and and you get our emails um, and that's yeah that's it um, right. you can follow the Daily Bouncer on Facebook. Um okay. we, we just post the articles from the newsletter there. So but so the dot dot com um is where you can find me.
0: Perfect. Well once again thank you for being on the show and hopefully you'll come Thanks back. So much. <laughs> All right, you too. Take...
1: Absolutely any an any time, Anytime.
0: All right. Well thank you. All right, well we will talk to you okay. again. <laughs>
1: bye bye. Bye Kimberly.
0: I actually did not plan on getting into those um, sexual assault allegations, so that was kind of an interesting conversation. i'm I'm a little nervous about this because I understand that this is an extremely um, you know heated kind of conversation. but interestingly, you know, the mainstream media has not reported on it in, on like on cable news, I should say not i'm i'm there might have been some people who have been talking about it i haven't seen them that doesn't mean it doesn't it hasn't happened but it hasn't been all over cable news and i think the reason why is because during the vetting pro- process they're like uh, there there's nothing credible here and we have to be careful um but it's of course something that i've been worried about and concerned about because you know nobody wants uh, it's just so uncomfortable you know and i and i see One of the things that upsetting me is that, for instance, when Christine Blasey Ford said that she was kind of like assaulted. I mean, she wasn't raped. He was like attempted assault um, from Brett Kavanaugh. I always would say that it's alleged because I wasn't there and I can't prove it. So anytime somebody accuses somebody of anything, sexual assault or whatever, harassment... If I wasn't there and I can't prove it, then I say alleged. So what I'm seeing is by certain people who are just refusing to accept Biden as the nominee, they are calling him a rapist. They're not calling him an alleged rapist. They're calling him a rapist. And it bothers me because it's like, well, you know, it's just as Ben and I said, you know, you want to take each case, you know, and and look at the facts of that case and try to figure out, does this fit? um, and I also desperately under, like, I want to, how can I say this? It's not that I want to believe women per se. I, I, of course I do. Um, I want women to be believed. I want women to be taken seriously. I want it to where if somebody gets sexually assaulted, that they say I was sexually assaulted and they're not called a liar because most women are. Most women are, are blamed even when, women are, or children are raped. I did an article about this where I collected stories, and it's a fucking awful article. I collected stories from, it was white, white men who raped either women or like babies, literal babies, and they had white judges, white male judges, and those judges decided, like in one case, there was this mega millionaire, I mean, he was maybe a billionaire, I don't know, he had a lot of money, and he raped a baby, and the judge said, well, you know what? He's a rich guy, so he's not going to do well in prison. So he got no prison time. He didn't get punished. And, I mean, I feel like, oh, my God, the, the, the system is so stacked for the rapists, even when it comes down to, um, like, for instance, with Harvey Weinstein. You know, he, he rapes a woman, and he's got tons of money, tons of power, tons of influence, so he rapes a woman, And then she goes to the cops and says, he raped me. And then now this woman has to hire a lawyer and maybe the lawyer is going to do pro bono and only accept the, um, you know, the pay afterward. But what, what winds up happening is they sign a non-disclosure agreement because they reach a settlement. If they don't reach a settlement, then somebody like Harvey Weinstein will keep that accuser in court for so long that that accuser will become bankrupt and, um, they will just hammer, hammer, hammer until there's no money left. And w- then what does the accuser get? Nothing. And then they're bankrupt. So oftentimes the accuser will agree to some kind of financial settlement. But that financial settlement comes along, comes with an NDA. And the NDA says they're not allowed to talk about it. In fact, if they tell their um, therapist, the therapist has to agree beforehand to an NDA. So what does that do? That gives the rapist all the power to keep going out and raping people because the story doesn't get out there and nobody can say anything. So yes, as a woman, this is extremely difficult for me to look at a woman who is saying I was sexually assaulted and for me to say, I don't know, because this doesn't add up. It's very hard for me, but I also don't want to automatically believe everything I hear. I don't want to automatically believe every man is guilty. I don't want to automatically believe every woman is lying. We got to take it on a case by case basis. So I went there today and it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, I don't know what you think. I don't know if, if, if you think differently than I do and you have some kind of, um, proof or some kind of, you know, cause you can't prove rape. That's the, that's the other thing that really sucks is especially if you were raped years ago, it's like Ben was saying, you know, he was sexually assaulted, and years later, he went to court. He can't prove it. There were no pictures. If there's nobody there to see it happening, you can't prove it. And so oftentimes, you know, rape survivors are in this really terrible bind that they, um, they can't prove it. And so it's just about vetting at this point. It's about You know Who did you tell? Can they corroborate your story? What was going on at the time? What were your actions? And you have to take a look at each one of those things. And if it doesn't add up, then it makes it very difficult to just automatically believe. And it's just, it's such an unpleasant, awful, it's just awful all the way around. I hate it. And it's like, I mean, I don't know what this woman's story is and I don't know why she's doing this. It looks suspect, but I don't know the reasons and I'm not going to assume the reasons. But anyway, we talked about it. And that's that. So I I I, I, sh- I said my piece I'm, I really don't even I'm not even gonna put this in the description of that we talked about it this way on Twitter because I already know what kind of crazy you know rape apologist replies I'm gonna get. So um, and I'm not a rape apologist, but I know I'll be accused of that. I've seen it happen to Alyssa constantly. So but to change the subject, I'm really looking forward to next week. Because I believe on Monday, I'm going to be talking with Sarah Wood. And then on Wednesday, it's going to be me and Steph. So then I've got that next week. And then, uh, let's see, on the following week, April 27, 28, 29, 30, one of those days, I'm going to be doing a patrons-only show. It's probably going to be also with Steph. I have to check her schedule. But I'm just letting you know that. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I did a patrons-only show yesterday where I talked about my journey with manifesting and all of that. And I mentioned that it was the 10 year anniversary of my book, the Virgin Diary. So yesterday was my 10 year anniversary and it just blows my mind that even though I started working on the book in 2004, um, the actual release date is 10 years ago. And it's kind of when I started really pursuing this, what I'm doing right now. So I kind of go over that whole journey and, um, One of these days I'm going to talk about, and I actually kind of forgot to bring this up in yesterday's account because you know what? I did a whole freaking podcast and it was two hours. And it was my journey about where, you know, becoming a podcaster. But it was two hours and I started listening to it and I thought this is too fucking long. So I just deleted it and then I re-recorded another one. It was about an hour, a little over an hour. So I did like three hours worth of talking yesterday and my throat was bothering me. Um, But I... One of the things that I forgot to mention was that back when I was younger, like in my 20s, even in my 30s, some I was calling psychics and I was calling them because I wanted a guy, you know, like I liked a guy or I wanted an acting role or whatever it was. And I would get really obsessive about it. And I would like I would find psychics to call um, because and they weren't like one eight hundred psychic. I never trusted them. I was I was a little bit more savvy with choosing the people that I would um, you know, that I felt were legitimate psychics. And like, for instance, I didn't, I don't trust people who immediately start off. Well, do you know somebody with a W in their name or something like that? It's like, they're fishing. I like psychics that'll just start telling you shit without knowing anything about you. What do they say? Are they making predictions? Are they saying things about you that are true that nobody else could know? That's when I would feel like, cause I was always, I always had a skeptical, like I know that there are a lot of, um, a lot of people out there who will take advantage and, and, so I don't necessarily trust and I, you know, I would, I would find people that weren't ridiculously expensive and cause I don't think it should be $200 for a reading. I think that's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, the whole point is, is while it was going on, I was being obsessive because I liked some guy or am I going to get this role or what's going to happen to my career? Um, and I was kind of using psychics as a pacifier be, to pacify me, to keep me from like a spiraling out of anxiety, you know, freak out. Um, but what I took from that in the overall bigger picture was that there were a few moments in, in those, you know, psychic, um, I don't know, sessions that I had where some crazy ass predictions were, uh, brought up that I couldn't have even known about. They were things that happened in the future. Like a a psychic told me this is going to happen and neither one of us could have predicted it. And it actually like totally happened in exactly the way that it was explained. And so what that taught me was that there was more to life than meets the eye that, you know, Of course, we have to trust science and we have to, um, you know, base everything we do on science. But there's this other part of our existence that can't necessarily be explained. And and while we shouldn't base our lives on it, it's kind of fun to um, examine and explore. That's how I always looked at it. It was like, I'm not going to live. If a psychic said to me, don't get in on an airplane and I had to get in on to get on that airplane, I would have gotten on the airplane. I would have been nervous but I would have done it. I'm not I, I didn't always just take everything a psychic said as absolute. It was always just like, "Hmm, let's see if that happens. Hmm, let's see if that happens." And then when it did happen, and it was something that was very difficult to predict in advance, it wasn't a 50/50 Thing, then it was like, wow, that's impressive. I mean, and like I said, there were a couple of situations where psychics really, really gave me detail. You're going to meet this guy. He's going to, he's going to have these initials. He's going to look like this. You're going to meet him through this friend, and this is going to have like really specific details. Like I remember, I got this one, just what I was telling you, um, meeting this guy with his initials and all that. I got this prediction from this woman in March, and I wrote it down, and I kind of forgot about it, and then in June it happened, and I didn't even realize. That it happened until I went back and reread the prediction. I was like, "Oh my God, she totally predicted this. Um, so anyway, what like the overall was that because I had this like obsessive uh, obsessive wanting to call psychics and getting pacified because I was like obsessing about whatever, um, i I did learn that, like I said, there's more to life than meets the eye. So when I look at the law of attraction i can I can say, I have faith in it. Because, I understand that sometimes, you know, we we or or humans have a limited sometimes view of what's possible. You know, we have our senses, but then sometimes shit blows our minds. We get our own. I, I've had premonitions of my own that I wasn't seeking out. It just like, thought about it, it just came into my mind, and I idea plunked into my mind, and then it turned out to be something that happened. It doesn't happen all the time. I don't have. I'm not like psychic all the time, but I've had my moments. And so, you know, it's like when I did my show yesterday about that, I I, I neglected to add that part of the story. So I'm putting it in there now. Um, Anyway. So I guess I'm just going to end here and remind everybody that you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly K I M B E R L E Y, and you can find my books on Amazon at Kimberly A Johnson. Looking forward to next week's shows. It's going to be women. It's just going to be relaxed, and I'm I and I I really can't wait to to uh, to talk to these two women. So I hope that you enjoyed today's show. I'd love some feedback. Let me know, and I will see you guys next Monday.